Welcome to this audio presentation from St. Charles River Church. Today we have a message that we believe is for the area. Please come by and visit us from God's Word, Zero, Westwood Industrial Park Drive. To grab a piece of paper and pen, take notes as you go through this. Looking for a personal application online at www.stcharlesriverchurch.com. Thank you, Pastor Mike and a worship team for uh, leading us in that song. Uh, we do want to welcome you to St. Charles River Church. As Pastor Barry said, I am Mike Alexander. I'm the senior associate pastor, for those of you who may not know that. Uh, before we get into the message, I had a couple announcements. And at the end of that song, uh, we will have some slides that will show you ways that you can give and support the work that we're doing here at SCRC. Uh, we thank you. Thank those of you who have... Uh, who have been so generous in your contributions with your tithes and your offerings. Uh, so there'll be information on how you can be a part of that at the end of the service. Also, we want to make you aware. So when we first went into this, we weren't quite sure how long we were going to have to do this virtual uh, no meeting on site. Um, and then we, as we got some guidance from the state, we sent a letter out saying that our intention was that we would have our first Sunday service on June 7th. And that is still our plan. June 7th at 10.30 a.m., we are planning on meeting here at the facility at St. Charles River Church. Uh, We'll have some more information available as we get a little closer to that date as far as any guidelines that might be provided in that. Uh, Also, we are going to continue to work on on being able to stream. So for those of you who are uncomfortable coming in June 7th, we want to make sure that we have the service available to you, and we will be working on efforts to, to make sure that we can get that out to you. Uh, but we do thank you for your support. We love having you all. And let's go ahead and let's get into the word. Let's open with a word of prayer. Father, we thank you for this time to gather together, Lord. Um, we thank you for the technology you've made available to us so that even though we can't meet physically, uh, we are able to meet as a church because the church, after all, is the body, Lord. It's not the building. Uh, so we thank you for the, the time that we have and for those who have joined us this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, as I mentioned in the prayer, it is great to have this technology available to us to uh, to be able to meet virtually. Uh, this is a little unique to me because this is the first time I've been able to stand here and speak to you in this in this type of setting. Uh, on Thursdays, I do a, uh, a Facebook Live devotional, um, so that gives me a little bit of experience with uh, reaching out uh, virtually to others. But with that, people are I can see people online. They can respond to what I'm saying. I can ask them questions. They can answer. Uh, so there is still a connection. So this is going to be a little different because when we, when we speak to others, uh, in, in a setting like this, we kind of sometimes we do want to f- we feed off how people are responding to the message that they're hearing. Uh, I, uh, Carmen and I, uh, recently we listened to a uh, Brad Paisley concert live on YouTube, and it was a full blown concert experience. Lights, music, video, everything except no audience. The auditorium was empty. 
Uh, and, you know, and musicians, they, they, they do that as well. They, they feed off how the crowd is responding to their music. And, in fact, at one point, Paisley had a little fun with it where he finished a song and he said, thank you, I think. So he was hoping there was people out there appreciating what he was doing. That technology also allows us to spread information. Uh, I'm sure with the, with all the COVID uh, stuff going on, you're just bombarded. Your Facebook feeds, the news feeds, just bombarded with different news stories. Uh, but information is able to come out just like that at, at a snap of a finger. Uh, sometimes it's great. Sometimes it can stir up a little controversy, such as what happened uh, several months ago when uh, Aaron Rodgers did a an interview with his girlfriend, uh, Danica Patrick, on a podcast. And he shared his views on Christianity. Um, and he saw he said Christianity is, was a crutch. And he questioned the goodness of a God who, in his words, he's wanting to know how we could believe in a God who would condemn most of the planet to a fiery hell. Uh, I had to take a little exception with that statement because... That is not what God looks, God does not condemn us. He does not want us to go to hell. Uh, as a matter of fact, um, I'm reading a book called All Things New by John Eldridge. And it talks about the new heaven and the new earth. And we've had some conversations with Eli and Bella about that. And, um, and Bella's just, she's just, when we tell her about the things that are about the new earth, she is so excited about it that she wanting to get to that now. She's wanting to know why Jesus is waiting. Why doesn't he just go ahead and come back now? And we tell her it's because Jesus wants everybody to have that opportunity to hear his message and to accept him. So he doesn't want to condemn us to a fiery hell. Uh, in the article I was reading where he was talking about Roger's uh, interview, the writer said that his view of Christianity was that it offered the weak and feeble-minded comfort. And I said, well... If I'm weak and feeble-minded, so be it. Because, yes, there is an amazing comfort that is offered by God. Uh, the 23rd Psalm is just getting so much exposure these days, and it is just one of my favorite, one of my favorite passages. And verse 4 says, Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. So there is great, it's great having that comfort, knowing that God is there to, to provide for us. Um, but within some of the this time that we have, I've been able to be exposed to additional teaching. And what I've become more aware of is that we need to go beyond the fact that God is a comforter. We don't want to lose sight of that. We absolutely want to hold on to the fact that God is our comforter. But he's so much more. He is more than a crutch. And that is the title of this message, More Than a Crutch, because he does offer us more than comfort. Uh, as most of you know, Several years ago, Carmen uh, fell in our driveway. Uh, my neighbor came and got me. And he said, your wife fell. I think she needs help. So we went out and we helped her in the house. And she said, I think I broke my ankle. And I have to admit that, because uh, we're going to be talking a lot about the inside and outside here. Uh, on the outside, I was very supportive. I was very concerned. And I was. I was concerned. I'm like, I know she's injured. I, I feel bad for her. But on the inside, I'm like, Really? You broke your ankle? Uh, I, I just couldn't see that. And boy, was I wrong. Because as we got her to the hospital and, a, and the ER doctor, and we had a great ER doctor at Progress West, she came in and, and as she started running tests, we found out not only was her ankle broken, broken, but her leg was broke as well. And 
she wanted to try to get Carmen treated that day. It was a Thursday. She said typically they want to let the swelling go down before they do surgery. Um, but that means we're looking at Monday and I have to send you home and then have you come back. And I really don't want to do that. So here's what's going to happen. There's going to be a therapist that's going to come in and they want you to, they're going to want you to try to use a walker and see how you can do with that. And then they're going to have you try crutches and see how you do with that. And depending on how that goes, tells us whether we can keep you here or whether you got to go home and come back. So the therapist came in with the walker and Carmen, she was a trooper. She actually got up, she tried that walker and actually was able to negotiate it a little bit. So the therapist left. So she said, I'll be back in just a moment. And the ER doctor came back in. She said, now I can't tell you not to do this, but I really need you to not to be able to do this so that I can keep you here. So then the therapist came back in and she wanted to try crutches. And Carmen said, no, I can't do it because the doctor wanted Carmen to be on the road to recovery that day. She wanted to get her treated. She could have sent her home on crutches, and that would have allowed her to leave and then come back. But that doesn't do anything about helping her heal. And she did not want her leaving that hospital until she was on the road to recovery and to start healing. So they did surgery that day and and got her on that road to recovery. And we're going to take a look at a passage of Scripture in Mark chapter 2 where Jesus does just that. He looks beyond uh, a person who was brought to him, a person who was paralyzed, and he looks beyond that paralysis and goes deeper into trying to, to treat that man. And in Mark chapter, uh, Mark chapter 2, starting in verse 1, it says, When Jesus returned to Capernaum several days later, the news spread quickly that he was back home. Soon the house where he was staying was so packed with visitors there was no more room, even outside the door. And I don't know if you've seen the the Chosen, the series The Chosen. Um, really remarkable series, and I can't wait till they get get the funding to get season two launched. But they have a great visualization of this scene here, where Jesus is he's at the house, he's speaking, and people are just gathered inside the house, outside the house, out on the street. People are just packed, wanting to hear the word of Jesus. And it says, while he was preaching God's word to them, four men arrived carrying a paralyzed man on a mat. They couldn't bring him to Jesus because of the crowd. You know, I find it interesting that as you're watching a uh, a TV show, uh, a movie, where there's a big crowd, a big crowd of people, and a, and a main character is typically way in the back, and he's trying to get to the front. And he gets to the front because in the movies, they want that guy up there. So they clear a way for him to get up there. Well, that's not typically how it goes in real life. Usually you stay back and people are not going to be very nice and, and let you forward. Every once in a while, you you might get lucky and get to the front of the line. Um, Eli and I, we were at uh, Universal Studios last year. And we went just to basically do this Harry Potter ride where you're at the Harry Potter castle. We did it at the very end. And at the end of the, when the park closed, they did an amazing light show. But as, so as we came out of the castle, there's a crowd of people. And we're actually just really looking to get to our car and go home. We really weren't going to try to stay for the light show because we didn't want to be stuck in the back of the crowd. Uh, however, they wanted to kind of scoot us out of the way so that 
they could get the light show going. So they just lifted up the rope, and we got front row seat to the light show. Um, but it's not often that that happens. Usually when when you're at something and you're in the back of a crowd, you stay in the back. People are not going to let you come forward. And that's what was happening here. Um, and unfortunately, as a church, we're like that as well. Sometimes we get so caught up in what's going on with us, and we miss the needs of others. And that's what's happening here. People were so caught up in wanting to listen to Jesus that they did not recognize the paralyzed man. But his friends persisted, said uh, they couldn't bring him to Jesus because of the crowd, so they dug a hole through the roof above his head. Then they lowered the man on his mat right down in front of Jesus. The friends wanted to make sure that they got to Jesus some way, somehow, with this sick friend of theirs. So they went up, they dug a hole in the, in the roof of the house, and lowered him down. And I love how Jesus responds here. He says, seeing their faith, Jesus said to the paralyzed man, My child, your sins are forgiven. Notice that Jesus did not talk about the paralysis. This was not the point where he told him to get up and walk. He said, your sins are forgiven. He wanted to address the core issue at the heart. And then he would focus on, as we're going to see later, he would focus on actually making it where the man could walk. But he knew there was something more going on, and he wanted to address that. In verse 6 says, But some of the teachers of religious law who were sitting there thought to themselves, What is he saying? This is blasphemy. Only God can forgive sins. Religious leaders were not friends of Jesus at all. They did, all they were doing was looking for ways to trap him. And this is one here. Uh, and if we're going to take a jump over real quick over to Matthew chapter 23, verse 27 and 28, where it says, What sorrow awaits you, teachers of religious law, and you Pharisees? Hypocrites, for you are like whitewashed tombs, beautiful on the outside, but filled on the inside with dead people's bones and all sorts of impurity. Outwardly, you look like religious people, but inwardly, your hearts are filled with hypocrisy and lawlessness. And we go back over to our story in Mark. That's exactly what Jesus is doing. He's looking at the hearts, the inside of these religious leaders. Verse 8 says, Jesus knew immediately what they were thinking. So they did not verbalize this. They were just thinking it in their, in their mind. You'll want to know what Jesus was doing. But Jesus knew their hearts and he knew what was going on inside their heads. He said, why do you question this in your hearts? Is it easier to say to the paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven? Or stand up, pick up your mat, and walk. See, Jesus didn't want to take the easy way out. He didn't want to just say, okay, you're paralyzed. I heal you, your paralysis, you can get up and walk. Again, he wanted to go to the heart of the issue, the heart of the matter. And that was the sin in the man's life. That's what he wanted to address. And then... He said, so I will prove to you that the Son of Man has the authority on earth to forgive sins. Then Jesus turned to the paralyzed man and said, stand up, pick up your mat, and go home. 
And the man jumped up, grabbed his mat, and walked out through the stunned onlookers. They were all amazed and praised God, exclaiming, We've never seen anything like this before. Jesus addressed the heart of the man's problems, and then he got the man cured of the paralysis where he could get up and walk. Jesus dealt with the problem from the inside out. His concern was not in providing a temporary solution to a surface issue. He went to the heart of the matter. He was more than a crutch for this man. And when we think about looking at the inside and really breaking down the walls, look to our favorite uh, ogre philosopher Shrek. You may remember in the movie Shrek where he's walking with Donkey and he's talking about the problems he had and he wants to go back. He wants to recover his swamp home. And Donkey says, well, why don't you just do that ogre stuff? You know, scare him away. Do what ogres do. And Shrek wanted him to see that he was more than what you saw on the surface. And that's where he said, ogres are like onions. Onions have layers. Ogres have layers. We have layers that we need to break down, that we need to get through to get to the heart of what's going on in our lives, and that's what Christ does for us. I want to get ready to close with a talk about a scene from the movie Goodwill Hunting. Uh, it was written by a very young Matt Damon and, and Ben Affleck, and they also starred in the movie. Uh, Damon was the, was the uh, title character, Will Hunting. And if you've never seen the movie or if it's been a while and you forgot what it's about, um, it's a, Damon plays Will Hunting, who was a, a janitor at MIT. And you just think, okay, well, that's a good, hardworking young man. But he was also a genius. And that was the thing that many people didn't know. And so when he was cleaning one day, he saw a problem written on a board, an insolvable problem. And he began to go through the process of solving the, the problem. And his professor saw him, and he started to recognize the genius that was in this young man, this young janitor. And he wanted to try to find a way to bring that out, and he wanted to try to mentor him. Well, unfortunately, because he was a little bit of a ruffian, uh, Will got in a fight with his buddies, and during the fight, police were brought in to break it up, and he pushed a police officer, and he was arrested. Well, the professor did not will did not want Will spending any time in jail, so he arranged a deal where if he would mentor him and then get him therapy, uh, the judge would, would suspend any sentence that he had for him. So he begins to mentor him. They try one therapist. It's not going to work out. Well, the professor has this um, psychology uh, professor that he knows. Uh, his name's Sean, who's played by Robin Williams. So Sean and Will start to build a bond. Will goes to Sean for counseling, for therapy. They build a bond. And, of course, with any relationship like that, it has its ups and its highs and lows, ups and downs. Um, but they start to build a, a really strong relationship. And the scene I want to talk to you about is near the end of the movie where Sean has to prepare a report to give to the judge. So Will is in his office, and Sean's holding a folder in his hand. 
And it's the folder that has the details and pictures of the abuse that Will suffered as a child. And so Sean really starts to connect with him on that. And he tries to break down that wall, that barrier. And he goes, it's not your fault. And first Will just goes, he just kind of laughs it off, blows it off. Yeah, right. Yeah, I know. Not my fault. And Sean goes, no, it's not your fault. And Will just, <laughs> what? Yeah, okay. But he, Sean persists. It's not your fault. It's not your fault. So finally, Will's starting to get a little aggravated now at hearing this. And he starts to become uh, defiant. And Sean just says, it's not your fault. So then Will, at one point, he actually gets to where he pushes him. He pushes him away, pushes Sean away. But Sean comes in even closer. He doesn't stay back. He comes in, he comes in even closer. And he says, it's not your fault. It's not your fault. And finally, you start to see that wall break down. And Will starts to accept that. And then he just falls in Sean's arms, clutching him, crying. As Sean says, it's not your fault. See, the problem wasn't so much the abuse, even though that was certainly impactful in Will's life. The problem was that he was carrying around guilt. He felt responsible for the abuse that he was suffering. And Sean had to break that wall down. He had to tear those layers back. And he had to get to the heart of the problem in order to bring a solution to Will. And then with that, Will was able to, to start have healing in his heart and in his life. That's what Jesus offers us. He is there. He's going to keep pressing in. There's going to be times we're going to push him back. But he doesn't stay away. He keeps pressing in because he wants to get to our heart. He wants to get to the heart of the matter. And he wants us to receive him in our heart. So as we close, uh, I'd like to pray with you. Uh, if there's those who are listening to this and you've not received Jesus in your heart, you've been pushing him away. Or maybe you received Jesus at one point. Uh, but you've kind of, you've gotten away from him. He wants back into your heart. He wants to draw in. And I'd like to lead you in a prayer to, uh, to invite Jesus into your heart. Heavenly Father, we, um, we just thank you for being there, for being persistent, um, for never walking away from us, Lord, because you do want to be a part of our lives. You want us to, to receive you into our heart, Lord. And Father, I know maybe I've pushed you away. Um, I've been resistant to receive you, uh, to turn my life over to you. Uh, but I do that now, Lord. I give my life to you. I lay my sins at your feet. You know them, Lord. But I confess them to you and I lay them down before you today, Father. And I receive you into my heart today. In Jesus' name. Amen. Now, if, you've, if you prayed that prayer, um, I would love to hear from you. Uh, or if you have any questions, I would love to hear from you. You can send me an email at mike at stcharlesriverchurch.org. And, and I would love to hear from you and correspond with you on that. Uh, if you did, uh, heaven is, is praising. Your name is written down in the book of life. 
because you received Jesus into your heart, and we're and heaven just glorified is just in glory over that. They're joyful, and I think um, I'm just so so thankful for for making that decision. Uh, I thank you for the time uh, that we've had this morning, and the worship team is going to come now, and they're going to sing a, uh, a another worship to lead us in another worship song, and then uh, as I said, there'll be slides afterwards on how you can give. Uh, have a great day. We hope you found this audio presentation from St. Charles River Church both beneficial and enjoyable. If you're ever in the area, please come by and visit us. You can also reach us online at www.stcharlesriverchurch.org.